1: To political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. So glad to have you here with us for our show today. So much to talk about it. It's been an extraordinary week once again in politics, both here in Georgia and across the country. So let's get right to it. Um, our panel uh, consists of Jim Galloway. Uh, he's with us on almost every Monday and Friday, thank goodness. Lead political writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Column appears on Wednesdays and Sundays in the newspaper, and, of course, he oversees the Political Insider blog at AJC.com. We always like to get a preview of your Sunday column, and, in fact, I hope people will read it because I, I want to talk about it on Monday's show. It's an important subject.
2: Yeah, this is this is uh, a, a statehouse uh, attempt to grapple with uh, Georgia's just incredibly high maternal m- uh, mortality rate. Yeah. Um,
1: a committee... Uh, led by uh, Sharon, um,
2: Sharon Cooper, Cooper, and Mark Cooper, Newton,
1: saying the state had better find a way to invest more money in women's
2: health. Exactly, and in a tight budget year, it's it's it's, yeah. it's you know it's it's going to test the meaning of pro-life. I think
1: um, we can put a link to your column up on our social media today. But people who read the paper, you know, the dead tree version on Sunday, will see it. And I'm really hoping you'll go go into it in in more depth Absolutely. with us on Monday. Thank. Thank you, Jim. Martha Zeller is back with us today. It's a treat to have you here, Martha. Martha now is the host of a popular uh, morning radio show out at uh, WDUN in Gainesville. Uh, It's great to have you come all the way down into the city, Martha, to be with us. Of course, you've crossed on, you've been on both sides. You worked for Senator David Perdue. Uh, You spent some time working, helping the Kemp administration get up and running, Uh, but are back in radio now.
3: Yeah, it's great to be back in radio, and uh, I have traveled the state for the last six years, and it's good to be a little bit more in one place. But Atlanta's my hometown, so it's great to be here.
1: Good. Well, we're glad you're here. Uh, Joel Alvarez is back with us today also. Uh, Joel is a Democratic political consultant. Ohio River South is the company. You and your partner, Howard Franklin, are involved Right now, in one major campaign, Teresa Tomlinson's run for Senate, we're going to talk a little bit about Tomlinson in the show today, and it'll be interesting to get you. We're going to quiz you a little. We're going to grill you a little on that, Joel. All right? I'll be okay. Uh, did, I, did I say Alv- I, Joel, Joel Alvarado? I can't believe I did that. Tom, Tom Faust just told me in my ear that I misspoke your last name. That's okay. I've been married for 20 years, and I've been called much worse. <laughs> Joel Alvarado. <laughs> I apologize for that. Um, also, um, I want to point out Bob Trammell, who is the minority leader in the Georgia State House, the Democratic uh, leader of the House, was supposed to be with us today. Bob sent me a note about 11 o'clock. He's got stomach flu, and we said, don't even come near our studio. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but we do uh, wish you well, Bob. The session starts Monday. You better get healthy because it's going to be a lot to take on. Right. All right. Let me start with... Um, a little uh, uh, news that comes out of our show yesterday, Jim, uh, you know, on our show yesterday, uh, we, among other things that we talked about, we we did talk about some of the language which Republicans were using in describing how their Democratic colleagues were reacting to the uh, Soleimani uh, uh, killing, right, and uh, and the language they were using in re- reaction to the Democrats wanting to put forth a uh, war powers uh, measure, which they did do and did pass. One of the people we talked about was Doug Collins, who on Lou Dobbs' show the night before had said something that was seemed outrageous to almost everyone on our show yesterday including republican jackie cushman democrats love terrorists more than they love gold star families it was a it was it was kind of a breathtaking comment
2: right and it was uh, of course it was you know it was one you you, you get into that bantering on on fox news and and you're and and let's point out that you know Doug Collins is is kind of lobbying for a a big uh, big position as as one of the house managers for Donald Trump so there's that tendency to be playing for that one that one single single member audience yeah um uh, but he, but but lo and behold this afternoon you know uh, a twitter five twitter messages strung mm-hmm. together come out and and he has apologized for Martha it.
1: here's what he said in his five tweets Let me be clear, I do not believe Democrats are in love with terrorists, and I apologize for what I said earlier this week. As someone who served in Iraq in 2008, I witnessed firsthand the brutal death of countless soldiers who were torn to shreds by this vicious terrorist. Soleimani was nothing less than an evil mastermind who viciously killed and wounded thousands of Americans. These images will live with me for the rest of my life, but that does not excuse my response on Wednesday evening. I remain committed to working with my colleagues in Congress and with my fellow, American, my fellow citizens to keep all Americans uh, safe. It's a, a pretty thoughtful apology.
3: No, I think it's an appropriate apology for for this particular incident. Um, I do think that that we as Republicans, I do have a problem with the language that's used in many cases. And I believe more by Democrats than Republicans, uh, where they will almost apologize to Iranians, apologize for things. uh, And so when we do it. It makes it harder for us to have the moral high ground. So we have to be as careful about what we say as we are about criticizing what the I, other side I, says.
1: So, Joel, I want to tr- give you I a shot at this. I saw him
3: move over here. Well,
1: because <laughs> I got to be – I got to say from my journalistic point of view, I'm not seeing that it tends to be Democrats who make the more
4: egregious remarks. But you have added, Joel. I just wanted to say this. I'm, I'm not going to jump on Martha. We just our first time meeting, and a Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> but what I will say is this, though. Um, I think we have to do a better job in the public space in regards to encouraging debate that if somebody does not agree with somebody else, we can't all of a sudden call that person a traitor, call that person any, you know, name other than a child of God, and and then somehow minimize the ability to have real conversation and dialogue about issues of the day. That's what makes our country great. The ability that you and I can sit at a table, have a conversation, and still be friends afterwards. If we can't even have a conversation about the issues of the day, and we're calling each other all these horrible things, that just, that just, um, that just creates a, a problematic environment where we're not going to be able to get any good sound policy out Yeah. well in number one I would I would also point out that this
2: is this, this particular incident appeared to be been scripted. I, I mean, I mean, uh, much of what 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 uh, Congressman Collins said on Tuesday had been said the night before, m- on the Monday night before, by Nikki Haley uh, with, mm-hmm. with Sean Hannity, where where she was saying, and and uh, to, uh, to paraphrase both of them, that Democrats are or were were mourning uh, uh, Soleimani, Soleimani, yeah. yeah, and 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 so this is, you know, there's a there there is some thinking behind this, right. And and that's and and I think uh, I think they got too too far out on their uh, over their skis on this.
1: So, um, OK, we 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 see that Collins has apologized. By the way, it's interesting, Jim. Um, there were people yesterday who were following us on, and, and commenting on Twitter or social media who were surprised they had. They were surprised, having heard what Collins said yesterday, they were reflecting back on the fact that the day before that, Mary Margaret Oliver, the Democrat from uh, Decatur in the legislature, Mm -hmm. had said how much she always enjoyed working with Collins. and, 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 And they couldn't understand... Why people were willing to be so uh, uh, warm in the way they talked about Collins, given the rhetoric that they've seen him employ recently? If you
2: if you, if you take the Doug Collins before he became kind of the 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 the, uh, the Trump rep- representative on the House Judiciary Committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug Collins had an excellent reputation for bipartisanship. I mean, uh, he was uh, he was working with uh, who, who is it on, a, on the Democratic side on on uh, criminal justice reform, uh, the guy he f- shared the playlist with. Uh, oh, gosh, uh, I've
3: forgotten the name, yeah, but you're yeah, right. He worked yeah, uh, on that. Uh, yeah, he's worked on copyright bills. He's, he's worked, worked on, on a lot criminal of things.
2: justice reform. Uh, he is – I mean he is he, – he, he, ha, he has – and I'm, I'm sure that's part of what – he and, and he alludes to it in the string of messages that, 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 that he wants to preserve that relationship that yeah. he's built.
1: I think that's probably right. So that leads us to another interesting conversation I think, Martha, which is that um, uh, the big news really of the day beyond uh, what's happening here in Georgia is that Nancy Pelosi, the speaker, has now basically signaled to her caucus that she is ready – next week uh, take action on transmitting the articles of impeachment to the Senate. She's got her caucus coming together to talk about this on Tuesday. Uh, Presumably at that point, she'll appoint the managers for the Democrats in the trial in the Senate. And we could have a trial start as soon as later next week on that basis. But the reason it's worth mentioning now and in terms of Collins is, is that there seems to have been this past week little bit of friction between the white house and 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 leader mcconnell's office about who should be running the impeachment effort on behalf of the president the president seems to want doug collins jim jordan the more uh the louder voices in the room vigorously defending him mcconnell seems to be pushing back a little on that idea
3: well and traditionally and again we've had three you know Two instances of this. Um, uh, Traditionally, the ranking members of the Judiciary Committee is generally who leads the way, regardless of the party. That's what we've seen in the past. Mm -hmm. So the assumption has been that it would be. Collins and Jordan to lead that. And so I think that that's that's not an unreasonable assumption to make. But McConnell is showing, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Mitch McConnell, but I think he's shown in this instance that he is very much wanting to keep everybody on the reservation and keep everybody, you know, together as far as doing what they, you know, what they can do with the numbers that they have. Just like when Clinton was being impeached, uh, it was very important for Tom Daschle to keep all of those Democrats together. So that's what he's trying to do.
1: Joel, I first of all, it would be interesting to go down a rabbit hole with uh, Martha and find out why she's not a fan, why the Republican, right? <laughs> Martha Zoller is not a fan of Republican leader McConnell. But we'll let that go for today, okay, Martha? Okay. <laughs> Got a little, a little
3: talking in my ear.
1: I am not quite sure that, uh, y- you know, Joel, I, it's the, the matter of optics here. When you're in a trial setting uh, with the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court sitting up there in his robes, the kind of way in which the Doug Collins and Jim Jordans have chosen mm-hmm. to defend the President, which is certainly passionate and 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 uh, loud voices outspoken in Collins' case, rapid patter i'm I'm wondering if, among other things, that's just not an image you really at the White House want to set for the way you're being defended. The president, well, I'm sorry, the way McConnell may want to
4: see that unfold. And so the Senate, if you listen to some of the senators, especially some of the the Republican senators, I think they have respect for the chamber. Mm -hmm. And they know there's a certain way of operating in the Senate chamber. And they understand how the House operates and they understand how the Senate operates. And they don't want House members coming into the Senate and turning it into a reality show where it might make good ratings, but it sullies the reputation and the history of of the Senate because mm. this is not sub, this is not a show. We're talking about impeachment here. This is really serious work, and I think that uh, both Republicans and Democrats alike in the, uh, in the in the Senate chamber take this seriously. And I think also Speaker McConnell, Leader McConnell, is trying to. Um, is trying to protect his moderate Republican senators because are they willing to support some of the the language and arguments that are being made by some of the more conservative um republicans um in the house and the senate and then they have to go back and answer for what Collins so it's not like let's say Susan Collins is now having to defend her position for Doug Collins and she wants to she doesn't want to be put in that situation I think McConnell's smart enough to realize I don't want to put my people in that situation either and they're right. looking
3: for some optics too that are a yeah. little better and yeah. more diverse yeah. Right. L-
4: listen the, the difference is is
2: is that the the outcome in the senate is slightly less uh, certain than was the outcome in the House. Everybody knew what was going to happen in the House. You had uh, Doug Collins, and so you had Doug Collins and Jim Jordan, uh, Jordan t- uh, talking, basically talking to the Fox News audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, they were they were they they were, they weren't a- a- actually trying to change the outcome of what was going to happen. They were trying to frame the argument. But in the Senate, Mitch McConnell le- loses control of that chamber if four four Republicans desert. Right. And if you've got, if you do have that circus-like uh, uh, like atmosphere, Democrats may get those four, four Republicans, and he loses control of that uh, chamber. Yeah. You, you know, he's. It, it, I. I. You're not. You're not going to. You're, you're not going to get two thirds of the chamber. To, to, to oust Trump, but you could get them to, to change the format of the trial, bring in all the witnesses mm-hmm. and it becomes a vo- much more complicated place. The other thing I would I, I would point to is on, on the Doug Collins uh, front, uh, there, there's some heavy lobbying going on in the White House right now to get Doug Collins and Jim Jordan in as house managers. But the point is, one, one point is that Mitch McConnell has all, already sworn to protect Kelly Loeffler. From 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 uh, uh, and and help her preserve her her Senate seat. All right, if you have Doug Collins in there, uh, grabbing all the all the oxygen uh, as he defends Trump, that's not going to help Loeffler. Yeah. And and if 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 you are Mitch McConnell, you you don't want that to happen. If if if, if you if you really want to back that pledge to Kelly Loeffler,
1: yeah, that's right. a really interesting observation. Uh, and and so we're going to watch how all that. Unfolds, and apparently we'll know fairly soon. By the way, uh, it w- probably worth a brief historical footnote. When the House sent articles of impeachment to the Senate against uh, President Clinton in 1998, one of the House managers was our very own Bob Barr? Congressman Bob Barr, one of the leaders of that impeachment mm-hmm. effort. Martha, he was uh, very active. Depends in on then. what
3: the meaning of is is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so let's uh, move on. We've got a lot more uh, to talk about today. I, I want to stay with Senate for a few minutes because there's some really interesting uh, developments in the Senate race. Um, and we've already mentioned, uh, Jim, we have been talking all this week on this show about when are Democrats going to finally, you know, when is somebody going to come forward beyond Matt Lieberman, who's the one Democrat announced for race number two, the Johnny Isaacson seat? When are we going to see some other names appear? Well, Today, uh, we've got one.
2: Yeah. Ed Tarver, former federal prosecutor out of Augusta. Former uh, state senator. Uh, right? State senator as mm-hmm. well, too. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, he's, so, he's, so he's pretty well known in, in the Capitol, well respected. Uh, doesn't have a whole lot of money. Uh, but uh, but he is a I mean he is he is a he is, a, he is a, an extremely credible candidate African
1: American and mm-hmm. Joel that's been one of the questions mm-hmm. you know that that in this race so far either Senate race one the David Perdue seat or number two the Isaacson
4: seat it's been all white candidates absolutely and I, first let me say um, Senator Tarver I knew him um, and when he was in the Senate good man and highly intelligent man. Um, Good credentials. I agree with uh, Jim totally about that. He'll be a good candidate. But I think it's time for people to stop kicking the tires and figure out if they're going to buy the car or not. We it's 2020. understand in 2019, but it's time to it's time to get in the game to buy the car. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. It's time to it's time to it's time to get in the game. It's time to um, to start to show your hand and and start being a part of the campaign because. We we can't allow for individuals to just, just operate in the room by themselves and not have a counterpoint in the debate for that seat. We need people other than, than Lieberman who want to be a part of the conversation to join in and start doing the work because before you know it, you know, November will be here and and you would have missed out on the opportunities in order to get the resources you need, to get the personnel you need and to get um, your message out to, in a way that makes sense.
2: And you're running against a, a woman who has is ready to spend 20 million dollars from the get go. At the very least. Right.
1: You know, Martha, both Democrats and Republicans say because this is a jungle election, the special election for the Isaacson seat, they really would each like to settle on one candidate because the uh, the. Uh, Dynamics of a jungle election are very different than primary followed by general election, runoff of general election. It's beginning to increasingly appear that neither the Democrats or Republicans are likely to have only one candidate, Leffler uh, on the Republican side. Tarver, maybe, but I think it's going to open some floodgates on the Democratic side, especially.
3: Well, you can't forget Matt Lieberman, who's raised $700,000. It doesn't seem... That it, you know, and part of it is a fact, a factor of uh, Leffler being appointed at the end of the year and then being sworn in and then having her first week. So really, the oxygen and the the, the ink, if you will, has been about her. Okay, and it's been very hard for anybody that might be running against her to get anything uh, out there. And I think that's obviously going to be the strategy. She is going to be showing every week. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if there was not like a goal each week of things to get her in the news that are legitimate things to get her in the news every single week. Uh, And I think that that's really something that we're going to be seeing more of because really since her appointment the 1st of December – Pretty much all the news has been about her yes Matt Lieberman raised seven hundred thousand dollars but that got kind of a blip and didn't really go anywhere
1: well of course it didn't help that we had the Iran <laughs> well, situation yeah, no but I'm those just things saying you can't control yeah no no of course yeah. not my <laughs> point you know so but, but let's talk about it. just you know Matt Lieberman did Come in with seven hundred thousand dollars. Pretty good showing for a guy who's never run for it, it, elected it, office. It's a good
2: showing, and 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 there are Democrats who 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 are who are lining up behind him. I, I would simply point out that number one, he is—he's a—he's pretty much—he's—he's—he's a, a—he ain't from around here. Right. he, he hes <laughs> he is—he is, he moved here what a dozen years ago or yeah, so. Yeah, about that. Yeah. About that, uh, and so his 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 network is is re- relatively modest, I think. Uh, He's running – I mean he has the advantage of the name Lieberman, but quite frankly, Joe Lieberman standing in the Democratic Party isn't what it was in 2000. In, in, in 2000. And
3: he had to also deal this week with um, you know, his father writing an op-ed related to that. And I'm sure if he got asked anything this week, he was asked about that. Supporting, I don't know.
1: Supporting supporting the, that's supporting right. the death that's of right. Soleimani, yes. And
3: so it's 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 going to be tough for him. It's going to be tough for anybody that runs against – Democrat or Republican, it's going to be tough for anybody that runs in seat number two because of the money. Because what's well, $300,000? Is that two weeks of advertising in Atlanta? About yeah, three, yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, that's yeah. it. Light, got, light advertising, modest. Yeah, yeah, 10 months.
1: So, um, Joel, you know, it, watching this race unfold, one of the things I've been interested mm-hmm. in is – Tarver is about to announce. Do we have a timetable on that, Jim? I think. No, no, he didn't. Sometime soon, a... he said no, soon, no. right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other name that keeps popping up is uh, Raphael Warnock, the pastor at Ebenezer Baptist Church, an incredibly dynamic leader
4: there. Where did he graduate from? A, Morehouse, Morehouse College. College. Just had course. to get my Morehouse College. <laughs> <lessons>. <laughs> so, there's a, there, so there's a network there. All right, <laughs> there we go. So, so
1: and Warnock has. He has suggested to some people that this may very well be the time to jump into this race. and And he's had some interesting things to say about that. Um, he told me one day uh, a number of weeks ago that that maybe just entering the race makes a big statement if you run your campaign correctly, even if you don't end
4: up winning it. That's an interesting uh, way to approach it. I, I definitely understand. First of all, um Pastor Warnock is a good friend of mine I definitely um, believe he could add real value to the conversation and i think what he's what he's saying is that there are there are issues that are not being discussed in the public space that needs serious consideration that is exactly what and he's prepared to have those meaningful conversations those conversations that are hard to to really have but are needed if we want to move our country and move our state forward and i appreciate his willingness to serve he is a he has a servant's heart regardless if you know if you see the work that he does Um, he uses his pulpit as a position of power in order to effectuate social justice and change. So I'll be glad to hear him being part of the conversation, and I look forward to the rich discussions that will come afterwards.
3: And Senator Leffler will be attending the MLK uh, event, uh, the the service, just like Senator Isaacson did. every. And I say hooray to her. That is is an event that I believe Mm -hmm. should be attended by elected officials every year.
1: I agree. Uh, Johnny Isaacson prided himself, Jim. I'm sitting there through the entire service, it's a, it's a four, and it's it, a
2: long. It, it's a four-hour service. service. You don't you, you 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 just sip your water yeah. before you yes. go through the doors. Exactly. No breaks. There's no
4: commercial breaks.
2: Are
4: you,
1: what are you, Warnock, are you hearing more stuff about it's, him?
2: It's it, it, it's something we have heard. Yeah. It's it's you know I think it's a decision that has to be made between him and his church. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. His um, congregation loves him, mm-hmm. and 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 so there's there are probably quite a few conversations. To be out. I will. Ha- I will tell you. There's probably not a better speaker, yeah. uh, a more uh, a more dynamic speaker mm-hmm. uh, in in Atlanta than than, yeah. than he. Agreed. And, I agree. and uh, so, yeah, I think he would. Look, we ha- we're having a situation where it's possible that Joe Biden takes the Democratic presidential nomination. I don't know who he would pick. As his vice president, I doubt that it would be Stacey Abrams. You're going to need something in Georgia to stir the African-American base of the Democratic Party. And I, you know, uh,
4: Warnock is that guy. I agree wholeheartedly. If I could just jump in, you know, we need to we need to get. We a lot of times people think that what happened in the past election cycle is going to happen again, as if you know you just do the same things, it just it'll happen. What happened in 2018 might not necessarily happen in 2000 in 2020 because there are different factors in different environment. And if so if you're relying on strong turnout from the African American community, Latino community, and other communities, you need to make sure that you have somebody there who's speaking to them, who understands the challenges and concerns they have, the hopes and aspirations they have, and is willing to lead them to the polls. Okay,
1: I want to make sure I'm hearing something from the two of you. You're both saying that Stacey Abrams is not that person,
2: and I assume you oh, no, 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 say no. That. No, well, no, you, I'm not. You no, just no, said no. That. I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is that he she may not. That 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 Biden, if Biden is the nominee, he would have a a, a, a running mate decision to make. I'm not sure that Stacey Abrams would be his choice.
1: Be, but that's my point. You think Warnock would energize the African-American
2: base. Both of you are saying. You you also would have have Abrams out there on an out. uh, Okay, I just want to make
1: sure I'm not mishearing and that our listeners aren't misunderstanding it. But it's
3: very different uh, her being a candidate or on a ticket versus just advocating to get people out. I'm not saying she's not amazing at doing that. I mean, we saw her do that, okay? But – it's it. It is different whether you're on the ticket or not.
4: OK. And what Go I'm saying real is just real quick. What I'm saying, too, is that we just need somebody on the on the ticket who can move the people and speak to the people where they, they feel like they're being heard. That's yeah. if it's Warnock or somebody else, somebody has to be on the ticket able to do that.
1: All right. Well, we really are hoping we start seeing some candidates uh, because. We've already had a couple of people uh, send us notes saying we've heard enough of Kelly Leffler this week. Well, she's been <laughs> she's the news in the week. news this week. She's so <laughs> don't, there's other people who will be yeah, in the and news. And, and
2: look, and, and, and again, this is going to be an all comers election in November. Yeah. So you're going to have yeah. activity on the Republican side uh, involving Kelly Leffler, And you're going to have uh, people on the Democratic side. And
1: one more Senate note before we take a break and then talk about the legislature, which starts Monday. Um, And we're going to include you in this conversation, Joel, but as I said, I think we're going to be quizzing you like reporters to subjects. Um, Jim, what do you make of the fact that uh, Teresa Tomlinson has had, I don't think you can use any other word, but shake up her her, uh, campaign manager, Kendra Cotton, her field director, Patricia Lassiter who were deputies who helped launch the campaign a year ago, get her out front early, uh, have now left the campaign, new people are coming in. Um, You know, it never feels right when that sort of shakeup happens in mid-campaign.
2: Uh, okay, I, I'm I'm trying to stay neutral on this one here, so I, so so so, so uh, Joel doesn't reach across the table at, at me.
1: Joel and Howard Franklin are doing consulting work for Teresa Tomlinson and have been
2: for a while. Right, so go right. ahead, and for Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> Yeah, right. Which, which is really interesting. OK, you have candidates, and Martha can probably speak to this a good bit, too. You have candidates, or, or I'm not going to say they're passive in their own campaigns, but they're in the back seat and they let p- other people do the driving. Then there are candidates who are in charge of their own campaign. I think in Theresa Tomlinson, you have a candidate who is very much in charge of her campaign. And is and, and is and so because because she is she sees herself as in control. It's comfortable making those those some, some rather stark personnel changes, and she's made them uh, you know since pretty much since the get-go, in uh, since uh, since last spring.
1: Yeah. Um, the thing is, and and then I know Joel really wants to jump in. The thing is, <laughs> this happens day within days before we're going to hear her final quarter fundraising totals, mm-hmm. which have been scrutinized intensely anyway, Absolutely. because she hasn't been able to raise the big money and, that people be- believe right. needs and, to and, and come there's, in. A, there's
2: a sign when, 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 when a candidate doesn't float those numbers right. early, right. then it says something. All right.
1: We're going give, to give you a chance first, Joel. What is going on to the extent that you... Look, I'm not asking you to reveal inside mm-hmm. stuff you, you're going to keep confidential with your client, but... Talk about this. It doesn't seem
4: right when you lose a campaign manager and a field director at the same time. Well, let me say this. Ms. Cotton, is. she might not be the campaign manager, but she is a consultant to the campaign, and she is a surrogate of campaign. So this idea of there's some some major break, I don't think, is not found. Was there
1: a feeling that the campaign wasn't being run the the right way? Uh, I
4: can't speak about feelings and things of that nature. All I can speak about <laughs> what what is. And what is is that uh, that the, that the mayor has— a strong team put together, including ourselves, as you said. She has stat- full time staff, part time staff. She has g- the general consultants who we are, TNR over in, in D.C., polling, fundraising. We have all the components in order to ensure victory in November. So we feel very confident. And right now, uh, you know, we. Why are they gone? You'd have to ask them. That. I'm not going to <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to speak as to why other people are leaving or not. What I can't speak to is the, the how good we feel about the Thomason campaign and how we feel ready for 2020 to move forward. <laughs> right. and,
1: Martha, we should tell by the way, we should say it was pure coincidence that Joel Alvarado happened to be set to do this show on the same day this news comes in. It's not like we invited him to talk about it. But, but you know, Martha, Jim makes a really interesting point. Teresa Tomlinson is a strong, really smart uh, individual. Uh, She's uh, assertive. She does know her own mind. It wouldn't be surprising if, in fact, she holds people who work for her to really high standards.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that she is someone who has the background that she should be able to put a very strong campaign together and should be able to uh, mount a – challenge in a primary that should be credible. Um, It's hard to run against an incumbent. Okay. I don't care who the incumbent is. It's difficult to run against an incumbent. And I'm sure she knew that going Mm -hmm. in. Okay. That's, that is definitely very difficult. So I think it's always concerning to see this kind of shake up, but, but you're making a good case as to the kind of person she is. But you also need to look at the money numbers too, because money is the most difficult thing. And who is. You know, it's it's raising money, but it's also who is trying to keep you from raising money, and that's a something you can't measure as well. Oh, that's really interesting. But it's interesting. something to think about.
2: Okay, and, and now that we've got Joel here, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Joel, you're going to have to explain to me De- defend the use of the word gumption.
1: Wait. Well, let's make sure people know. There's been sort of love a rela- <laughs> there's been sort of a relaunch to the to the campaign. <laughs> to the Tomlinson, this to is the Tomlinson, Tomlinson campaign. campaign. There's Read a boot. new two minute plus video that it uh, tries to reintroduce her and there's a new phrase for the campaign, which is Joel. Gumption. Gumption. Well, Georgia Gumption. Georgia, right. A very Get specific it right, Joel. Okay. I apologize. Okay. Georgia,
4: <laughs> <laughs> Georgia Gumption, absolutely. But really, focus on, yes, Georgia Gumption, but focus on the Gumption, it's about grit, it's about perseverance, it's about her telling people that she's ready to fight for the people of Georgia when she becomes <laughs> senator of this it, it, state. it also
2: sounds like a kind of an over 60 word
4: <laughs> oh, <laughs> i mean is that is that
2: is that a, a target audience i don't know martha said Georgia? martha's no, you know
1: martha's still a young woman she said she likes the word gumption
3: look but but i'm i love you know turner classic movies too and i watch it where they use the word gumption all the time gumption is an older word you're right jim it's probably i mean i'm 60 years old i don't mind saying so i do don't it's not a word that has been used I would have liked Georgia grit better I mean I think that grit you know is kind of what you're saying there but gumption's okay I just don't know anybody that uses that in language all
1: right Joe Biden uh, well, anyhow, oh, yeah. you know May,
3: it, malarkey and gumption. Yeah, okay, but, uh, good. You, you
1: can. All right. Well, look. Uh, let's take a break. I've waited too long <laughs> to do it. And obviously, I should have done it about a minute and a half ago. <laughs> so um, we are going to come back. The legislature starts on Monday, and uh, we're going to talk about some of the issues that they are going to be looking at when the 2020 session gets underway. In the meantime, we'll be right back with more on political rewind. <laughs>
0: Time to clean up the garage? Start with that vehicle you no longer need and donate it to this station. It's easy, pickup is free. It could be worth hundreds of dollars in support and you could even get a tax deduction. Get the process started today. Give us a call to learn more about the advantages of donating a vehicle. And thanks very much for your support. Call 877-GPB-1CAR or go to gpb.org slash cars. Support for GPB programs comes from our listeners. And Augusta University's Maxwell Theatre, presenting an evening with three-time Grammy Award winner Branford Marsalis, January 16th at 7.30. Branford Marsalis tickets are on sale now at augusta.edu slash Theater. Does your busy life keep you from staying informed? GPB has you covered. You can listen live at gpbnews.org and on your smart home device. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at GPB News.
1: Welcome back to Political Rewind. Glad to have you all with us today. Jim Galloway, my partner on Mondays and Fridays from the AJC, is here. So is uh, Martha Zoller and Joel Alvarado of Ohio River South, the Democratic consulting firm. I said at the beginning of the show, uh, minority leader in the state legislature, Bob Trammell, was going to be here. He's down with a stomach flu So we're going to have to wait till next week to hear from some legislators about some of the issues in the session coming up. Jim, uh, let's just start with a big one. Obviously, uh, the governor gives his State of the State speech next Thursday, so we'll get more of his agenda. But clearly, he's going to have to focus an awful lot of his attention on the budget cuts that he kind of sprung on people last fall that deal with both the supplemental budget and the big budget for the next right, fiscal year. Right. He's got year. Yeah,
2: a, 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 an immediate 4% in current spending and then uh, 6%, another 6% going forward after July 1. And it's – you know, it's this is uh, – this is happening at a at, at a at a crucial time for Republicans, so he's going to have to be be careful. On one hand, you've got this message uh, coming out of the White House of you know oh, the stock market is making records every day, mm-hmm. and 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 unemployment is at a record low, and yet and yet uh, uh, Governor Kemp has this message that 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 state finances. Are in are in need of some serious repair. Well, but repair. revenue
1: collections have been down, right? Yes. So it isn't as if he's making up a story. Oh no no about no it. no.
2: But it is a mixed. But it is oh, a counter narrative. it's a, a counter narrative. Right. Okay. You've right. got a you've got a message of prosperity and, and good times coming out of the White House, and you've got some some fairly uh, an austere message from Kemp uh, on, on the budget, and he's going to have to balance those two.
1: You know, Martha, it, I, it's interesting. David Perdue held a news conference yesterday, and um he was, of course, asked uh, about that question. Uh, you know, what about these budget cuts the governor wants? We know uh, uh, we have the speaker on the show and he expressed some dissatisfaction with the kind of cuts the governor is looking for. Uh, but he was asked, what about it? Are we going to get these budget cuts done? Listen to what he told a reporter about that. Nope, we don't have it. Okay, we're gonna have a pro- we're having a problem getting it. What he said, Martha, essentially was, it's a lot easier to talk about budget cuts. He said a lot of people in this body, you've
5: got it. Let's listen to Ralston instead of me. This is going to be a very interesting session because, uh, you know, we have members uh, in both chambers. I know we do in the House and. You know they give speeches about cutting the budget. Well, they're going to get their chance this session. They're going to get their chance, and um, I think they're going to find out that it's a little easier said than done. Uh, because, you know, one guy's waste is another gal's vital expenditure, uh, and um, um, and I think people are going to. I have a wake-up call on that this session.
1: David Ralston, leader, the leaders are worried about this.
3: And I think they're worried about it, but it's because they live in this world where they think they've got to spend more every year, and they seem to have forgotten when we had to drastically cut the budget in the economic crisis, got it down to I think to something like seventeen billion or yeah. something like that, and then they've inched up now every year, you know, and it's back up to twenty seven billion or twenty eight billion, and that doesn't even count the other half you get from the federal government, which is which is a huge amount of money. And look. I'm kind of from the I'm not the right person to ask this question because I'm from the Lee Iacocca school that you can cut five percent out of anything without hurting. <laughs> and we've got the same problem in state government that you've got everywhere else that people are retiring at very large numbers. And it would be I'm not saying you could get to that 10 percent number, four and six, but you might be able to get to five total. And then you're in a better shape going through. And I think that's what the governor is saying. It is better to make these kinds of choices now where you have some flexibility than to wait until there will be an economic downturn at some point in time. I don't know when that's going to be. We crossed over 29,000 today, so I don't know when that's going to be, but wouldn't you rather make it now when you have some flexibility than be forced to, you know, when you have a, a, a
1: I love, I like that point, but Joel, here's what the speaker is saying, right? He's saying, Sure, everybody in general wants to cut the budget. (laughs) Well, that too. Everybody says, yeah, we want to keep the budget numbers down. And then you start infringing on their money, on money they want to bring back to their district. And that's why he says, easier said than done. And by the way, that's also why at another point in this news conference, he said, everybody thinks it's going to be a short session because it's an election year we've also got a big budget problem to deal with. I don't think it's gonna be shorter right. because of right. that. <laughs> well,
4: let me say two things. One is, let's not forget how we got into this situation in the first place. Policy decisions that they thought was going to be able to drive our economy hasn't happened. And it's led to a shortage of, of revenue. And my concern is that, is there gonna be equity and fairness regarding what gets cut and what doesn't get cut? We've worked so hard to try to provide funding for education again. And you know that there are certain pots of money in the budget that always seem to be attacked first when they reduce the budget. So education, higher education, both are incredibly important for me as a first-generation um, uh, in my family to graduate from college, um, I'm worried about healthcare. I'm worried about I'm worried about the agricultural community who's taking a large hit because of tariffs, and they're not in the same um, they're not in the, the same financial well-being that they that they need to be. And what does it mean when those services that they're getting from the state are being taken from them? So it's, I'm really concerned. I want to make sure that as the as the legislators go through the process of cutting the budget, that they are recognizing the the needs and concerns of all Georgians and not just certain
2: I, I think I think cuts to education and I think health care are going to be two very very sensitive issues in this budget discussion because you've you've got a house that's getting inching ever closer to 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 dual control mm-hmm. I mean Republicans David Ralston's top priority this year is going to be protecting 16 house seats most of them in Metro Atlanta, mm-hmm. where women really drive the vote, and women really care about education. They really about uh, are concerned about getting health care for their family, mm-hmm. and 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 that's why uh, you mentioned we, we mentioned this special House Committee on mat, mat, yeah. uh, maternal mortality. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sharon Cooper uh, is from Marietta. She's mm-hmm. driving this. Deborah Silcox from mm-hmm. Sandy Springs. She's on, on that committee. Uh, th- that's th- that's no accident. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch the budget battle uh, uh, play out in, in the weeks ahead. Um, Jim, let me also talk about this budget from the uh, spending point of view. Uh, and that is that, um, and when I say spending, I mean essentially uh, revenues that the, gu- that the state is leaving on the table. Uh, number one, they are continuing. They cut taxes, income tax uh, last year. They're talking about another half a percent this session. Yeah, they Despite they did a, quarter,
2: a quarter percent quarter last percent, year. percent, a
1: half percent this year. Uh, the Ralston says that could still be on the table. Um, teacher pay raises. Teacher pay mm-hmm. raises. But here's the thing that's going to be fascinating to watch, and that's this uh, – there's a sudden uptick in interest in examining – whether or not the state has given away too much money uh, in tax credits to the uh, film and television industry to encourage them to come here. Uh, and, and that's gaining momentum, and there's now an audit which suggests— There are two audits. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: There are two audits. And, you know, if I, I, I don't really believe in, in uh, coincidences— but you have two audits on uh, a on a on a program that granted eight hundred and seventy million dollars in tax credits last year. That's an estimated number. I'm I'm wondering if that's an accident, if that's coincidence at all. Uh, I th- I think you're going to see some uh, some attempt uh, to rein that in. How tightly, I don't know. Uh, one protector is going to be David Ralston. I was yeah, Martha, you well, talk, and then I'm going to play well, Ralston. And
3: very quick, one point to think about: we're at close to nine hundred million. The next closest state to us is California, at about three hundred and thirty million. Okay, everybody else has a cap right around twenty to fifty million. So I think that we could protect that, still be the top dog. You know, to use a UGA analogy, still be the top dog, <laughs> but not not have it grow anymore, and still be so much more advantageous than California is, oh, and it could be positive.
1: Let's listen to what uh, David
5: Ralston said about. Was just he reading
3: that? my mind? Yeah, he I was. I don't know
5: i was asked uh, a day or so ago would i favor abolishing it and the answer is an unequivocal no because what we have to understand is that at the other end of that tax credit is georgians working Uh, and so if we need to make some tweaks in it uh, i'm happy to sit down and, and 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 make the changes that are true to the intent of the legislature and adopting it many years ago. All right, so we're going to watch how
1: that unfolds, Joe. By the way, Governor Kemp gave an interview to the AJC in which he sounded as if he might be willing to uh, look at how they could adjust the tax credits for the film and TV industry, but if you read the interview he gave to the Marietta Daily Journal, and I'm not sure which the sequence was, which interview came first, he was adamant in defending it, as Ralston seems to be,
4: even if he's talking about some tweaks. Right, I think they understand the economic implications, uh, where it's a multi-billion-dollar industry. Even if we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars in tax credit, is still generating multiple billions of dollars and and that means that Georgians are working they're they're starting businesses that are related to the film industry it's it's a phenomenon that has really taken hold and it's and I think it's fully integrated in our economy and let me just say this I wonder if those legislators that are are aiming at the film industry are not doing so because of the stances they took last year on some of the social policy issues that were brought forth in the legislature.
1: All right, let's do this. Let's get our final break of the show out of the way. I'm glad you said social issues. That's exactly what we'll talk about when we come back with more on Political
3: Rewind. Sensitivity to light, a craving for sweets. All things that may let you know you're about to have a migraine. But what's behind all those different symptoms? I'm Ira Flato. This week on Science Friday, the surprising things you may not know about migraines, even if you get them, plus sizing up a new class of treatments. It's all on Science Friday from WNYC Studios.
0: Join us for Science Friday this afternoon at 3 on GPB.
3: My name is Lauren Lynn, and I'm the Associate Director of Marketing for Georgia Farm Bureau. Georgia Farm Bureau is the voice of Georgia farmers, and we work earnestly to support the state's leading industry, agriculture. We underwrite with GPB. What I like about the programming is that it reaches a diverse audience, and it enables individuals or organizations the opportunity to share their messaging across the state.
0: To find out more about becoming a corporate sponsor, email sponsorship at gpb.org.
1: Glad to have all of you here for Political Rewind. Jim Galloway, uh, it's an election year, and uh, and some people have thought, well, maybe the conservatives, the most conservative uh, legislators will keep that in mind when it comes to social issues that are always hot-button issues. Uh, maybe we'll park them for another year. We don't know whether that's going to happen or not, but we do know there are at least two bills that – seem to be punishing to transgender young people, uh, we think religious liberty is going to come back as an issue this session. It it, it It's going to be interesting to see how the leadership, how the Ralstons, uh, how the governor himself, uh, you know, how the lieutenant governor, how they deal. Do they want to Get caught up in these things in an election year.
2: You're going to see some very, very interesting closed door debate. Well, you're going to see. You're not going to see <laughs> some very interesting closed door debates uh, on among Senate Republicans and House Republicans, uh, and 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 they're going to be very hot tempered things because, because it's in the Senate where those things tend to incubate. Yes, but but in each one, but but uh, but in each in each caucus, you you have a you have a. A hardcore wing of Republicans who are pretty much rural-based; their seats are very, very safe. Mm-hmm. And then you have a small knot of, of uh, a shrinking knot of suburban Republicans, who are, uh, who are in- increasingly uh, their, their districts are becoming increasingly blue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and as as you push these hardcore social issues, you're putting those those people at risk. And uh, you know, I think the the message from from Ralston and 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 maybe Butch Miller. Uh, the, the president uh, uh, pro tem of, of the Senate is, you know, uh, be neighborly. Think of your neighbors when you introduce legislation. Martha?
3: Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, if I were a betting woman, I would say you're not. You may see bills get introduced, and a whole lot of bills get introduced that never come to the floor. And you know who really controls that is Speaker Ralston. Really controls most of that. Uh, I just don't think you're gonna. You never know what that one issue is going to be that's going to pop up that you aren't expecting. Right. That I mean, I don't know what it is yet, but I just don't think these traditional ones are going to be that big of a of an issue this time because these elections are really important that are coming up. And I think you're going to have more pressure that way. I know I'm more of a traditionalist in that way, but I think that it's going to follow that pattern a little bit more.
2: I think you're going to see Bert Jones and the Atlanta airport issue come up.
3: Well, yes. I want to talk yeah. about that, yes. but
2: before the social issue, I was,
1: I guess I shouldn't be surprised by anything. The transgender issues, the Ginny uh, Earhart, uh, we'll see if that gets anywhere. It, he wants to essentially punish doctors Uh, who would uh, help a teenager through a transition a gender transition uh, and now you've got a bill that's going to would force someone to play a sport within the gender in which they were born I mean it I'm just I can't imagine these things are going to get very far
4: especially in an election year but even if it doesn't passes it becomes part of the narrative of who we are as a state and people start paying attention paying attention to that sort of other more substantive policy issues that are going. And let me just say this. I've been in, in politics long enough where every election cycle I've seen just the otherization of a particular group of people in, through policy. If it's not um, immigrants or if it's not the LGBTQIA community right now, it's the trans community or somebody else, Always, it's always feeding, feeding red meat to the base to get them out to the polls and and it seems like sometimes these bills are introduced in order to get that outcome they're looking for
1: but let me real quick address what you just talked about jim the airport you're right we, we expect that there's going to be another effort to take for the state to take over uh... uh the airport
2: uh... yeah that that, that would be that, that would be the wish from burt jones on the senate side i think uh... uh... W- uh with speaker ralston it is more, you know, some some, some legislative oversight might be That's worthwhile. That's right.
1: We don't have time to play that soundbite, but you're exactly right. What he s- suggested is I don't really want the state to take it over. we got enough money problems as it is. <laughs> but, yes, maybe we need a MARTOK-like an oversight board, meaning the board that oversees the operations of so you could So you could
2: see some negotiations between Ralston and, and the mayor of Atlanta.
1: Uh, what's interesting is that the city's response uh, to all this, Martha, is uh, to – uh, uh, apparently uh, be on the verge of creating the position of inspector general to oversee all of the operations of the airport to try to say to the state, OK, we know we got problems. We're ready to work to correct. Well, them. they
3: need to do that. Think back on however many administrations. The airport is always a problem in how contracts are doled out, all that. It's the best airport in the world. Mm-hmm. I love I actually love going through the Atlanta airport. Wow. OK, but It is one of those things that this mayor, because the other mayors weren't serious about it, maybe she feels the most threatened, is taking a stand to say, hey, we're going to have some oversight. And if she does that, she might be able to push it off for another year or two.
1: Okay, Um, we're almost out of time, but let's take just a second to talk presidential politics. Michael Bloomberg's in town this afternoon for Fair Fight Action, Jim Galloway. Right.
2: He's he's uh, he has introduced uh, his his voting voting uh, platform for, for his presidential campaign, which in- includes an end to purging voters, mm-hmm. uh, inactive voters. You can't be kicked off a voter registration list b- list simply because you you haven't voted in the last two, three or four elections. So one of the
1: things I think about with, uh, with Bloomberg, you know, when you think about it, what, can a billionaire uh, jump in and win enough votes to really make a difference? Well, Bloomberg has spent $130 million, But his neighbor, Tom Stiers, who is also a billionaire, he's now polling second in Mm -hmm. South Carolina. And that's an astonishing thing to think about in the in the Democratic uh, primary field in South
4: Carolina. I will say this. (laughs) if You have resources and you have good strategists. You can get the outcome you're looking for. And I like to think in the Bloomberg camp, we have excellent strategists. That are <laughs> that are working to ensure his victory, and uh, as a as a New Yorker, I'm really proud of the mayor, and I'm proud that I think he's a conscientious capitalist, and I think he is. Uh, he's doing he's doing the work that needs to be done.
1: We're almost out of time. If you want to talk more about Bloomberg, you better be an underwriter from now. On. <laughs> uh, Martha Zeller, thank you so much for uh, being with us uh, today. Uh, Joel Alvarado, and and you too, Jim Galloway. Uh, we're out of here and uh, hope to see you back again for another Political Rewind on Monday at 2 o'clock when the General Assembly will already have come into session. Take care, everybody.